Just do it. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Not too bad. Pretty good. I don't know why I said pretty good. You didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bad habit of that. People ask me how I'm doing and I don't ask them back. You and just don't. Like, you're clearly completely self Well, because I answer their question and then I'm like. Don't know how to do conversations. No, I guess you I don't. You don't do conversation science? No, I don't. Oh, well. We don't do any science on this podcast, which is the My Favorite Haunting Podcast. Yes, it is. And it's, epi- do you know what episode we're on? 37? Yes. Yay. It is 37. Jesus, we're almost at 40. Believe that shit? In both senses. That's crazy. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about that. No, okay. no, no. I'm, I don't know what you're, you're referring to because I'm 21. I've been 21 for a while and I plan to stay 21 forever. <laughs> it's like my aunt, she Thank was you. 29 forever. And my cousin always got like, she, when one of my other aunts actually turned 29, her, and she's like, wait, but mom, aren't you 29? <laughs> <laughs> That's when she figured it out. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, this will be my um, 15th, 21st birthday coming up next year. So, anyway, should we talk about ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> Did you say we're my favorite haunting? I don't remember. I did say this is my favorite oh, haunting. Okay. Yeah. And, I, I and then I asked you, do you know what episode we're on? And you said 37. And that led into the whole. Yeah numbers should we recap this whole conversation a second time yeah let's do that now (laughs) everybody would absolutely love that i can't wait to read all the reviews about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um oh speaking of we do have like an influx of new listeners and group members and cool um i'm not gonna shout everybody out because there's a few but i just wanted to say hi welcome glad to have you um Oh, and I do want to plug. Okay, I do have an announcement. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Um, I had a lot of. I had an extra espresso shot in my coffee this morning, so I'm a little. <laughs> uh, um, we do have to. I didn't even tell you that I did this. Um, if you guys remember back to episode 17, our special Japanese theme mm-hmm. that we recorded live on location in New York City, and we had a special guest host, Karen, um, our, our resident Japanese expert. Yes. Or Japan expert, I should say. Um, So she and her husband, Jay, lovely people. They're Canadian, so, you know, they're super polite. Um, (laughs) They are are planning a two-ish month stay Mm -hmm. in Japan. Starting, they're leaving next month, and they're basically, yeah, they're basically going to live there for two months. Like they got an apartment, and they've got like all this. So Karen's like a super planner, Mm -hmm. and like she's like plan goals. Like she's just ridiculous about it. Um, like in the best way. Mm -hmm. But they have, um, I've kind of plugged them on social media. Um, but they have a YouTube channel and, um, social media accounts. It's called Japan without Japanese. Okay. And it's basically kind of like a gu- an online guide into how to go about planning a trip. If you're going to Japan and the best things to see and things to keep in mind okay. that especially coming from the West that we might not yes. think about. Um, so I was just up there visiting them this week and they did their very first 
live stream, which I was more than happy to um, help them out with when she asked. Um, It, we, (laughs) as with anything live, as we know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was quite a few technical difficulties. Um, We ended up streaming it from Instagram Mm -hmm. and she's currently going, it also went way over time. Uh, Like Instagram cut us off twice. (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, you're done now. Like, no, we're not. Uh, but it was very informative. I learned, like, she talks about stuff all the time, and I still learned stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was really happy to be, like, a little guest, like a special guest star. It's <laughs> like, yay. Uh, and then she paid me in sushi. So, I mean, yeah, you know. Win-win. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, anyways, the point of that was... Um, you guys should go check out their stuff. Um, cause they're really fun. Even mm-hmm. if you're not planning to go to Japan, they're fun to watch. They're funny and cute and wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, she's currently editing the video from the live stream okay. to post up without all the like awkward pauses and <laughs> like, um, yeah, the weirdness because we're weird people. So, you know, shoving raw fish into my face. Oh, Um, (laughs) yeah so their channels are um i think they're pretty much all japan without japanese um but their twitter is just at japan without so if you guys want to go check them out um they're fun cool yeah now we can talk about ghosts if you want yes definitely okay i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'll go first okay do you remember the Hellfire Club? Is sort of. I talked about that when I did the Tron Theater because that was the one where it was episode 16 and before it was a theater, it was a church mm-hmm. and they had broken in and burned it down. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Good old Hellfire Club. So I did Montpellier Hill in Ireland. It's just south of Dublin in the countryside. It basically is 18th century hunting lodge ruins. Uh, It was built by William Connolly, who was the speaker of the Irish House of Commons in 1725. My mouth is so dry. I'm like, I can hear everything. So it was originally called Mount Pellier. Pellier. I know it's French, mm. but it's like um, the capital of Vermont is Montpellier. Oh, yeah. So it's like the current name. Like it originally was like Mount Pellier. So it like evolved into Montpellier. Montpellier. I'm not French. I'm sorry. I, I can't say it the French way. Um, <laughs> before we get in a, a note about you're not pronouncing that right. I know I'm not. I just said I'm not. And that's my disclaimer. Uh, so it has, it's been referred to as a bunch of different things over the years. Um, it's been called the haunted house because obviously if I'm talking about it, it's haunted. <laughs> um, the shooting lodge, cause it was originally a hunting lodge, mm-hmm. the kennel and Con- Connolly's folly. Um, and also just the hellfire club because the hellfire club kind of took it over as their like meeting place for a time. So a quick blurb on the Hellfire Club. It basically was like um, a fraternity for rich white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, an excuse to get together and, and do things that 
were not acceptable or legal. And they basically, they were wealthy and prominent and above the law. They can do whatever they want and, mm-hmm. they, you know, didn't get in trouble for it. And so they get together and get drunk and do all kinds of crazy shit. From GlasgowLive.co.uk, they describe it as, The name may conjure up ideas of devil worshippers and Satanism, but really the secret society was a drinking club for the high-class men of society, started in cities across Europe as an excuse for debauchery and those acts deemed too immoral for polite company. Um, I mean, nothing can really be proven because it's it was a secret society, yeah. but... I'm going to touch on it again later, but there are disappearances surrounding them. Like people would go missing Um, and lots and lots of rumors and accounts of black masses and like occult rituals and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So anyways, back to Montpelier Hill. So the hill itself is 383 meters high, which is 1,256 feet. And so William Connolly he, in 1725, he wanted to build a hunting lodge. Mm-hmm. So he bought this land up at the top of this hill and had construction start. Um, when construction started, workers found an ancient grave passage and kern, which is um, basically it, it dated back to the Neolithic wow. age. Yeah, so prehistoric burial mound made of stone. So it's like... Um, they have like a low stone wall, like 18 inches high that surrounds it. And then there's mounds of stones inside and that marks the graves. And then um, a grave passage is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. So like underneath, they're mm-hmm. all kind of connected. Oh. Yeah. Um, so basically they get up there and they're like, they're supposed to start work on this hunting lodge and they find all these piles of stones. So what do they do? Move them. Even better. Yes. Oh, do they use them? Oh, yes. Nice. Oh, yes. Free supplies. So we built this lodge using, um, partially using uh, some of the stones from the kern. So, um, yeah. And I wrote smart with the eye roll emoji because <laughs> this is how horror movies start, friends. Yeah. Uh, and shortly after they completed construction... Uh, an intense storm came through and took the roof completely off. <laughs> uh, and then of course, locals said that that was revenge from the devil for disturbing the Kern. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly after that, William Connolly died in 1729. So from 1735 to 1741, the Irish Hellfire Club, uh, used the building as a meeting place. So they, uh, they leased it from Connolly's descendants okay i mean i feel weird saying descendants because it's not like it's that (laughs) yeah whoever inherited it his his sons probably um and in a twist of irony or maybe it's not irony maybe you know just this was part of his like repayment Mm -hmm. for he purchased the land uh connelly purchased the hill from philip duke of wharton who founded the first Hellfire Club in 1719. <laughs> so it's almost, it's like, is that ironic or is that like, oh, hey, I'm going to buy this land and I'll let your group or like the newest incarnation of your group, mm-hmm. like hang out here and sacrifice animals and stuff. Um, 
So some of the lore surrounding the Hellfire Club. So there's one story that goes, there's one stormy night that they're, they're hanging out there and a stranger comes by and, uh, you know, it's raining out or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they invite him in and they're all playing cards. So mm-hmm. they're like, come on in, join our card game. Uh, one of the players drops a card on the floor and when he bends down to pick it up, he looks under the table and he sees that the stranger, <laughs> what, do you know what it? What she got? Does he have goat feet? Yeah, he does. <laughs> a cloven hoof for a foot. Uh, he notices this and he like pops up and he's like, "What the fuck?" And uh, that's a direct quote. <laughs> and um, it's not. The man bursts into a ball of flame and disappears. Oh wow! So the bursting into a ball of flame part yeah. is not on every account, uh-huh. but every account, like otherwise, it's basically the guy sees that the visitor has yeah goat legs and (laughs) like the guy disappears um there's a similar story that's going around that relates to dolly mount which is a hunting lodge owned by the loftus family also located on the same hill i doubt that it happened twice i feel like it probably was one of those lost in translation things like Mm -hmm. oh the house on the hill but there's two yeah or several. Um, so there's another story about a priest coming upon the house one night and uh, stumbles across the Hellfire members in the middle of sacrificing a black, not a black car. Autocorrect. <laughs> I wrote cat and I meant cat, damn it. So in the middle of sacrificing a black cat. Yes. Poor baby. Um, the priest jumps in, grabs the cat out and performs an exorcism. So the cat was already dead. He was too late, but he performed the exorcism on the cat and a demon was released from the corpse. And that feeds directly into, there are accounts of, um, well, there's two different ones. There's one that says it's a, um, like the ghost of a black cat Mm -hmm. or the spirit of a black cat that wanders around. And then there's another one um, relating to a building, and I'll I'll get into it later on, but relating to a building down the hill mm-hmm. that is a, they called it an, I think they called it an elemental. Mm, yeah. Um, it's a giant black cat, like the size of a dog, and it's got like demonic eyes and mm. like, uh, but this one was the, the other one. So it's just like the spirit of the cat that wanders around. Um, there are also numerous tales of black masses, occult rituals, animal sacrifices, of course. Um, it's also said that on one occasion, a dwarf was sacrificed. So that of course is unsubstantiated, Mm -hmm. but a dwarf did go missing around that time. His remains were found over 200 years later. So you're talking like the 19 something thirties, forties, um, fifties. Uh, there's a, um, a bell tower nearby, like down the hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's like, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, it's for drainage, but it's like inside the bell tower. And then there's like, it was like behind a wall. So I Mm -hmm. I guess they were doing work on it and they opened the wall up and his skeleton was, there was a, a dwarf of a skeleton in there. 
a dwarf of a skeleton. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying so hard not to laugh. Well, no, if you hadn't made that face, I wouldn't have realized what I said. <laughs> it took me a second to actually understand that those words were not in the right order. It was a skeleton of a dwarf. And I, I'm sorry, I know dwarf is not the PC term, but that's what all the articles said. And yeah, that's I mean, in my notes, that so. is what they call I mean, them back, back then, then. Yeah, back then. A little person. Yes. Um, there's also a rumor of an unfortunate woman who somehow ended up in the lodge one night. They put her into a barrel, set the barrel on fire, and rolled it down the hill. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, they were dicks. I mean, they basically like, it basically was just like a frat, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting drunk and doing stupid shit. Yeah. Like, privileged white men problems like assholes. So there's all these stories involving fire. The lodge was damaged by fire, um, but the exact cause is not known. There's a lot of speculation about it. There's a few theories. One is that the club was set on fire when Connolly's son refused to renew the lease. Mm-hmm. So, um, I said the club was set on fire because I'm thinking like the club house, but the club, the hellfire, the member, the club members set the building on fire as revenge when, oh, Connolly's son. Yeah. So they leased it from the son. Uh, so, you know, he's like, you know, I don't want you here. You're going to leave. Like, I'm not renewing your lease. You need to get out. And they were basically like, fuck off. We're staying with, if we can't have it, no one can. Yeah. kind of thing. Um, there's another theory that says that um, the club members did it to give the building a more hellish look, to make it look more sinister okay. and like <laughs> like the devil might actually live there. Um, and then there's another one that says a footman spilled a drink on Richard Chappelle Whaley after a black mass one night. Whaley got pissed, turned around and dumped brandy all over the footman and then lit him on fire and the fire spread to the building and Uh some of the members were killed. Uh Um, Regardless of how the fire started, um, after that, the club relocated down the hill to Kalaki Stewart's house, which is where the the big dog-sized black cat, Mm. the demon black cat, hangs out. Um, as of 1779, remains of the cairn were still visible behind the lodge, but it is believed that many more of the stones were taken, um, at the beginning of the 19th century for the construction of the military road, um, which was down a little bit, uh, in October of 2016, an excavation found a huge passage grave under the ruins, likely dating back 5,000 years. So ancient grave sites. And then... Right over these ancient grave sites are all these alleged satanic rituals and stuff. I mean, that sounds like a a nice, comforting, homey little yeah place to settle down and, you know, have tea. I don't know. <laughs> so currently, visitors have reported feeling like if you walk around with loose jewelry, like a bracelet or a necklace, like a long mm-hmm. necklace, um... People have felt them being tugged on and even had them like snapped off, like the chain was snapped while they walk through the Hmm. building, the ruins, calling it a building. It looks like a building. I mean, you can still walk inside, but, Mm -hmm. um, and then they see the, there's the reports of the large black cat that's been seen roaming around. And then if you stay after dark, locals will not stay there after dark. 
Like, <laughs> regardless whether it's, like, just superstition or they've had experiences of their own or they hear things or whatever, um, locals will not be there after dark. Okay. Um, visitors who do stay after dark have reported hearing a woman shrieking and wailing. Um, it's believed that that's the woman that was in the barrel. Ooh. There's also... Um, it's surrounded by um, the Massey Woods, and there's supposedly a banshee in there. So the wheeling could be the banshee, too. Yes. And also in the ruins, people have reported feeling um, like when they walk in, they're overcome with this intense feeling of awe. Okay. Like there's some kind of like, I don't know, presence or some kind of energy or something. Like you walk in and you just feel like really impressed, like this place is really impressive. and. Hmm. Like interesting feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found that, I found that very interesting. Um, for the Kalaki Stewart's house. So that's down the hill. It's at the bottom of the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, the black cat has been seen there as well, but that's the one, like I said before, they believe that one to be the elemental spirit, which is totally different from what you see at the lodge. They're yeah. like two different things. Um, in 1968, the owner was renovating and a worker inside at night looked outside. So the worker was inside. And it was nighttime and he looked out the window and saw a black cat the size of a dog. So he like, it's 1968. There's no iPhones. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, he didn't take a picture of it, but he painted a, uh, painting <laughs> of, of what he saw, uh-huh. and it's still hanging there. Oh, wow. So, like, the one that he painted is still hanging in the house. So in 2000, fast forward a little bit, mm-hmm. um, they're doing another renovation, and one of the workers, as a joke, because he's a dumbass, turned the painting upside down. Oh. <laughs> that was an eye roll. Dude, <laughs> you guys, she rolled her eyes so hard, her whole head rolled. <laughs> I thought it was going to just keep rolling right off of you and hit the floor. Um, so he... Yeah, he turned it upside down to as a joke because he's a dick. And uh, every 15 minutes on the dot, like clockwork, all the power tools in the house turned on, like at the same time. And then they go around and turn them off. And then 15 minutes later, like to the second, they would all turn back on again. Um, <laughs> wow. So that happened a few times. And then they're like starting to freak out. And they're like, you know, what the fuck, dude? They put the painting back the right way. Stopped. Never <laughs> happened again. They did not like you messing with the painting. No, don't fuck with the painting. Um, well, you know, my favorite ghost hunter in the world. Uh, do I did, hear sarcasm? Yes, you do. Uh, he did. He did it. And of he, he, did. he got, you know what, though? Like, as much as it pisses me off when he does some of these things, he does get results from it, yeah. which simultaneously like impresses me and pisses me off because he's very like he's so aggressive and over the top and I'm like that's not the way to go about these things Mm -hmm. and it like I don't like I don't want that kind of behavior encouraged like you know people who are watching at home and they're like oh well it worked for him and then they go and do it Mm -hmm. and you're getting scratched across the face because you pissed off the wrong entity yeah so you know And also most, like, with the exception of, like, demons, like, spirits used to be people, too. Like, they deserve to be treated with respect. Yes. Unless it's, like, you know, an axe murderer who molested a child before bashing her face in. I mean, you know, fuck that guy. But um, for the most part, like, yeah, like, be respectful. Like, Mm -hmm. don't start off at 100. You start off at, like, a 20. 
mm-hmm. and then maybe slowly come up if you're not getting anything. But anyway, that was a thank you for coming to my TED talk. Yeah. So it, if you didn't know already, I was referring to Ghost Adventures, which is the lead in for my next um, little part here. So Ghost Adventures, they did this episode weird because they did. So Lep Castle is about a two hour drive away. Mm hmm. You covered Lep Castle yeah. already, so um, I didn't touch on that one at all. But they did it. They split the team up. Oh. So Zach and Aaron went to the hunting lodge on Montpelier. Okay. And then the rest of the team, Nick and some other guy, I don't know who he was. Um, <laughs> I missed it. Um, but they went to Lep Castle. Mm-hmm. And the way they did it, they like they didn't do like half and half. Mm-hmm. They like cut it up. So it was like a lot of back and forth and back and forth. Weird. Which worked kind of for me because then I had time to take notes. <laughs> like I didn't have to pause, but mm-hmm. um, it was a weird format. Were uh, they trying to show what was happening at the same time in each place or not even that? I don't think so because okay. nothing like correlated. Mm-hmm. Like nothing was like related. Like that's what I thought they were going to do at first, but nothing was like connected. They were just like hmm. – and then meanwhile over at Lep Castle and then meanwhile over at – Montpelier and so uh so Zach and Aaron um went over to the the hunting lodge um so when they were interviewing the uh I don't know if he was a caretaker or he's just like a guide that works there whatever he does but he was telling a story of when he came in to work one morning and in one of the rooms inside the ruins he found a semicircle like a white semicircle painted mm-hmm. I think it was paint yeah, because then he was talking about how usually it's salt. And he was, you know, explaining how, like, if you watch Supernatural, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, on Supernatural, they use it, the salt circle, to, for protection. Yeah. But if you are trying to summon something, mm-hmm. it could also be used for that. And yes. it'll be summoned into the circle. So he found this white. So, and like other evidence that some kind of ritual had been going on overnight. Mm-hmm. So, um, regardless of. The Hellfires Club uh, participation in those kind of activities, um, you know, there are people today that want to jump on that. Yeah. Like, you know, like that stuff, that stuff may never have happened in reality. Yeah. Like it was 300 years ago. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't know that um, based on all of the stories surrounding it and the consistency of them, there probably was something going on, mm-hmm. um, especially if, you know. Your typical frat boys, like that's that's exactly yeah. what it sounds like to me, and that's how I'm going to always compare them. I don't care how old they were, or how rich, or high in society. Like you're dumb frat boys that yeah. sat around drinking and then did stupid shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, I absolutely could see that happening, and they probably didn't actually know what they were doing. Yeah, which means, <laughs> which means according according to any kind of horror trope. <laughs> Means that they succeeded yeah. in doing shit and, you know, whatever. Anyway, so when they began, so when Zach and Aaron started their investigation, so they felt a strong presence in the room where the satanic worship was said to have taken place. Just like a very strong, like, there's somebody here. Like, there's something here. Mm-hmm. Uh while they were trying to do EVPs in that room, they heard shouting outside. And, like, you can hear it. The camera picked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... 
I'm going to preempt the rest of this with because there's a lot of noises outside and you're in the woods. And especially if like local kids know that you're there, (laughs) like the Velisca Axe Murder House. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't think I put that. I don't think I mentioned that. Maybe I mentioned it. I don't remember. But if you ever go to that house to do an overnight, Mm -hmm. the local kids, they know because it's not separate. It's not separated like from other houses, like it's in yeah. town, there's neighbors. So people know when you're there overnight and mm-hmm. the local kids will come and start fucking with you and like tap on the windows and shit. Um, That's when you bring out your shotgun. So I don't, not well, you really. can't bring a shotgun. I do know. not bring a shotgun on a ghost hunt. No, don't do that. Really. It was just being, she was, facetious. she was being, yeah, facetious. <laughs> um, yeah, don't do that. Bad idea. Uh, so I don't care, like, how superstitious the locals are. Kids will be kids. Mm-hmm. And if they know you're there, they're going to come fuck with you. That's my disclaimer on the rest of this. Okay. Uh, so do with that what you will. Um, so they heard shouting outside. So there's a clear EVP of a man's voice coming from out there, but you can't make out what he's saying. But it's mm-hmm. clearly it's not either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, deep like a man, yeah, not, it's not like a child. De- yeah, it's okay. definitely a man. But, I mean... Could be 18, 19. Yeah. I you know guess. what I mean? They're still dumb yeah, at that are. age. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're dumb into adult, like old age probably. So generally speaking, obviously not everybody, but, um, so Zach goes outside to investigate and Aaron stays in that room. At some point in here, he feels, um, Aaron feels an overwhelming compulsion to pick up a small stone and take it from the room, from oh, the satanic. Okay. Yeah, worship room. Yeah, as we will find out. Uh, So while he's in there alone, that happens, and then he later says that he he feels some kind of um, like mass go like through him. And so, because Marvel fan that I am, my first thought. was in civil war when ant-man gets big and he's like if you want to get to them you got to go through me and then like two minutes later vision because vision can make himself like he walks through walls and stuff and he just flies right through him and ant-man's like something just flew into me (laughs) and that was like this wasn't a funny situation because aaron like aaron's the one he's the tough looking bald guy with the the beard Mm -hmm. he's the one that I'm like, it's funny because he doesn't look like a scaredy cat, mm-hmm. but he's the one that Zach will fuck with him and be like, you're going in there by yourself tonight. Um, and usually it, it makes his reactions make me laugh, but mm-hmm. this wasn't like, he was like truly terrified and wow. like, I really felt bad for him. Um, and then the whole time that they were together in there, they both were like bickering and snapping at each other and like being kind of mean. Mm. And like, that's not usual yeah from the few like i don't think i've watched i feel like i've watched a ton of these but i don't think that i actually have Mm -hmm. so i might not have a grasp on their relationship but from the episodes that i have watched that seemed pretty atypical so zach comes back in and they're doing evps again and there's sounds of like like loose stone like pebbles and stuff and Mm -hmm. glass like being shoveled around on the floor Hmm. Um, they were the only two in there and neither of them were moving. They were both standing stationary and it was coming from not 
in the room they were in. Hmm. So, um, again, though, it's a pretty open building. Like there's not yeah. like, you know, secure doors or anything. You just walk in. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if somebody was out there, um, and then a little bit later on, they heard the sounds of what sounded like, I don't know what like specifically a claw sounds like, <laughs> but they equated it to, I mean, you do hear something like dragging along the the ground in mm-hmm. that and it's in that room but they said it sounded like a claw dragging across the ground um but maybe it was because of what Aaron felt that they were that they like connected it and they were mm-hmm. like oh well it sounds like a claw like it could have been a foot could have been you know yeah. um but like immediately after that a hand with long nails or claws grabbed Aaron's ear they were outside the satanic worship room in like mm-hmm. a corridor and the, the sounds were coming from inside and it like grabbed his ear and started pulling him back towards the room and he oh. lost his shit. He freaked the fuck out. He just started yelling like – like I mean like he started ye- – I mean like claws grab your ear like, you know, but he started like yelling like – we got to get out of here. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And he like ran out of the building and it wasn't like, oh, Aaron, you're so silly. He's freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like on Ghost Hunters when um, Brian at Eastern State, when they saw the shadow mm-hmm. and he's like, oh my God. And he like ran away. Like that shit was hilarious because mm-hmm. it's a shadow mm-hmm. and this is your job. Mm-hmm. But like he got grabbed and he was like, it was like true terror. Like he was crying and, like, he had a meltdown. Like, he ran outside and, like, collapsed on the ground and was, wow. like, freaking the fuck out. Um, so he was just like, we have to leave right now. Like, I, we can't stay here. Like, we have to leave. Mm-hmm. And so they get in they, – they have, like, this little golf cart that they had to get up the hill. <laughs> and so they they get in the cart and um, Zach is driving down and then Aaron's, like, pull over. Like, stop the cart. Like, you just have to stop for a minute. Zach's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, no, just stop. You just have to stop for a minute. Um so he stops the cart and Aaron has like a full on like meltdown. Like he's crying. He's like, dude, I've never felt anything like that. Like it felt like, like the devil touched me. Like it felt so evil. Wow. Um, so then he starts calming down and he's like, you know, this is like our way of life. This is, you know, what we do. And then from the woods behind him, you hear so clearly Like, so clearly that I'm like, that had to have been a person. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody's fucking with you. A female voice, and it's, like, almost kind of wailing. And she says, no. What? Yeah. (laughs) So they're like, was it the Banshee? Was it the Banshee? But the thing with Banshees is when you hear them, you die. (laughs) So nobody died. Like, they're both still alive. Mm -hmm. Um. And also, like, it didn't, like, Banshees, they do that, like, shrieking, like, very shrill, like, ah! Yeah. Um, and this was, like, a clear, like, word. And she, like, it was a woman saying, like, no. Um, and that was in response to Aaron was basically saying, like, this is the path we've chosen. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both, like... uh they both like spun and they were like, what the fuck was that? Like, mm-hmm. and then they both got out and they walked around the woods trying to find it and they didn't find anybody. After that, they went down to the Kalaki Stewart's house. So Zach went in by himself. 
Mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron stayed out in the, um, they had like the cameras and stuff set up and yeah. they were monitoring from the van outside. So Aaron stayed in the van. Um, so he goes, so Zach goes in and he turns the painting of the cat upside down and he's got the spirit box and he's doing EVP with the spirit box. Um, and so these noises picked up on the camera, like you don't even need like the voice recorder or whatever, like Mm -hmm. clearly there's like footsteps. Like it sounds like somebody's walking around in the kitchen and like moving stuff, Mm -hmm. like really clear, like loud. And Zach's like, what's that? And then Aaron's like in the van and he's like, on the walkie talkie. And he's like, yeah, man, like we heard that, like there's somebody in the kitchen mm-hmm. and he goes and looks in the kitchen. There's nobody in, there's nobody else in the house. He's in yeah. the house by himself. Um, so then he's using the spirit box and he's standing right in front of the cat painting, the upside down cat painting. And he says, well, he asks, what's the name of the club that did all the satanic stuff here? Mm-hmm. And, Clear as fucking day. Meow. <laughs> I shit you not, friend. A cat meowed. There was no cat in there. Wow. There was no cat in that house. The only cat in the house was in the painting. Crazy. Meow. Like, <laughs> what? And I mean, like, to the point of, like, Helena popped her head up. Like, oh, is there another cat here? Oh, wow. Like, it was very clear. He then... This was fucking crazy. He then asks what touched Aaron earlier up at the lodge. Mm-hmm. And um, a clear, another female voice through the spirit box mm-hmm. says, Satan. Nice. Super clear. And those were the only two sounds that came through the spirit box that night. So mm-hmm. like, you know, the spirit boxes, like they spit out yeah. stuff. Nothing else came through. Those were the only two things. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so um, they used to do ghost tours there. Mm-hmm. Um, they stopped. I don't know why. It probably isn't anything overly paranormal related. They probably weren't making money. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Maybe they were stirring shit up. I don't know. Um, and then I guess you can... I guess you can go there overnight. Maybe it's just that there's nothing to really stop you. Like I don't, there might not be security or something, but, mm-hmm. um, I found a few accounts of people saying that they stayed there overnight. One person said that they camped there right outside the building. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't talk about anything happening, but like the, the guy that camped there noted that it was kind of a stormy night and it was super windy. And like, he laid down in the tent, put earplugs in so he could sleep and like, when he was like laying there and looking up, like the top of his tent was just like going nuts, whipping around because it was so mm-hmm. windy. And it's like, well, how would you experience anything if you have that much weather happening? Yeah. You can't differentiate, you know, mm-hmm. is that a banshee wailing or is it the wind? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So that was Montpelier Hill, Ireland, home of the Hellfire Club. Your turn. Okay, so I did the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad Depot in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, some of the history, it was built in 1910 by the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad run by George Gould, and it was designed by architect Henry Slacks specifically to surpass the nearby Salt Lake City Union Pacific Depot, which had been built the previous year. Uh, The high-arched windows at the center were originally installed with green glass to keep the waiting area cool. 
The depot included a barber shop, a restaurant, a men's smoking room, and a woman's lounge. There were also a telegraph office and a souvenir snack bar. The depot was also a central point in shipping soldiers off to war in both World War One and World War Two. You had me at souvenir snack bar. <laughs> Sorry. In 1910. <laughs> yes. What were those snacks like? What were those? Did they have keychains? Were those a thing in 1910? Did they... Could I get Cheetos? No. Damn it. Not invented yet. Damn it. <laughs> in 1975, the depot was listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The state of Utah purchased the depot in 77 for $1 um, from 1987. 1986 to 1999. Wait, wait, wait. How, for a, how bad a shape was it in? Was it, was it like falling apart? Because um, that's like, so the New York did a program um, for Harlem. They were selling the brownstones for a dollar mm-hmm. to get it to like get people to buy them to clean them up. But they were all kind of falling apart and like boarded up, burnt out. There were squatters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say... But from 86 to 99, they used it as the Amtrak station. So, huh. so I don't think it could have been in too been bad of shape. That bad. But, I mean, it was 10 years later that Amtrak moved in. Oh, so, so maybe like a 10-year, like, renovation or a, um, repair kind of thing. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, information for the history. Like, it was just, like, general... And, you know, they bought it for $1.77, no, like, condition or anything of what the building was like. Okay. In 1999, Amtrak moved to its new building, the Salt Lake City Intermodule Hub, after which the tracks near the depot were permanently removed. The building is currently home to the Utah State Historical Society and its research center, the Utah Department of Heritage and Arts, along with the Rio Gallery and the Rio Grande Cafe. And that's just about it for the history. There's not really much on this place. So we can move on to the haunting. One of the most prevalent entities is the Purple Lady. Some things vary slightly from account to account about about her, but she is always very beautiful, black-haired, wearing a dark purple dress. Uh, some say it's an early 1900s dress, and she's also wearing a large hat, and others say it's like a velvet and sequin dress, which kind of makes me think of like flapper era. And then um, she's usually seen in the woman's restroom. Um, The Rio Grande Cafe, as well as other locations in the depot, and she often appears either sad or angry, like two extremes. So the story behind the Purple Lady is she was a woman there with her fiancé at the train depot, and they got into an argument. One story says that she was meeting her fiancé at the train station as she was leaving for either World War I or World War II. Another says she was meeting her fiancé when he returned from World War I or World War II. And then there's another story that says that they were just there. And it doesn't say any circumstances of why they were there. They're just covering all the bases. Apparently. But I mean, it's like, like, I don't know, 10 different sources. And those are the three versions of what. Well, if he's leaving, that's why she's sad. If he came back and ended up like knocking up a woman abroad, that's Mm -hmm. why she's angry. Oh, the story's not done yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just posturing theories. Yes. Well, yeah. 
In any case, they had an argument, and in the heat of the fight, either the purple lady herself or her fiancé threw her engagement ring onto the tracks. So apparently the engagement got broken some, in some fashion, and one of them threw the engagement ring on the tracks. Sobbing and distraught, the woman went down onto the tracks no. to find the ring and no. was hit by an incoming of train. Of course she was. And she died instantly. Oh. So, uh, yeah. Don't go after things on tracks. No. Call an MTA employee or a police officer. Yes. I'm, the, those are signs in the subway. <laughs> <laughs> if you drop something down to the tracks, don't get it. <laughs> And there's an account of the Purple Lady from an employee of the Utah Historical Society from 1992. Um, she said a woman named Heidi went into the woman's restroom and was overcome by an angry, vicious feeling she couldn't understand. She turned to see a black-haired woman wearing a long purple sequin dress sitting on the couch. Because apparently the bathroom there has a couch. And then the lady Heidi just like ran out of the bathroom. Well, yeah, that's... You've never seen a bathroom like that before with a little lounge area? Uh, yeah, but I mean, they're not common. I mean, I guess some places they are, but I have been in like two. Well, I mean like in <laughs> restaurants. I usually see them like in restaurants. Yeah. But... Or hotel. I was going to say hotel rooms, but not hotel rooms, but like hotel lobbies. Like yeah. Those kind of bathrooms, yeah. That that particular woman's restroom was actually the men's restroom until the depot was renovated in 1980. I don't know why they changed it from one to the other, but and I don't know why... The purple lady would be hanging out in the men's restroom beforehand, before 1980, but I don't know. During that renovation, a construction crew told staff at the Historical Society they often heard the sound of a woman singing coming from that bathroom. People still hear singing in the ladies' restroom when there's nobody there at night. A server at the Rio Grande Cafe, Dick Holt, said he witnessed one occasion more than a decade ago. Uh, the taps were running full force and refused to turn off. A hostess had run out of the bathroom and asked him for help to address the problem. He grabbed a plunger and barely touched the tap when it turned off on its own. Okay, two things. What was his name? Dick Holt. See, now you pronounce the T. <laughs> Sorry. Because I was like, no way is that a real name outside of porn. <laughs> Um, second thing, what, if it's the taps that aren't turning off, what are you doing with a plunger? I, yeah. How I does that help you at all? I, I, yeah, I don't, I didn't understand why he grabbed a plunger unless like the sink wasn't draining or it was filling up too fast to be able to drain. I have no idea. Yeah. But if it's not a clog, I don't know. That's what, what he said. Was it just like a moment of panic and it like... That was just the first thing he grabbed. Like, here, it's a bathroom. A plunger will help me. That's what... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> and then uh, we got a bunch of stuff from some security guards. Yes. So according to a security guard who once worked at the depot, there's an invisible entity who walks around on the mezzanine. Supposedly, the guard would hear footsteps at around the same time every night. Each time, he would race up the stairs to face the perpetrator, only to find that no one was there. One night, he decided to hide on the mezzanine and wait to see who was playing pranks on him. He heard the footsteps approaching him, but didn't see anyone. Then he felt someone brush up against him, and the footsteps faded away as if the person had walked past. Hmm. 
Uh, people have also seen the apparition of a man walking around the first floor. The spirit is probably the same one heard and felt on the mezzanine and in the lobby. Uh, this is thought to be either George Gould or an old station master. And um, some security guards hear alarms going off, even talking or music playing in the basement. There was even a middle-of-the-night call from an elevator telephone to the security office, and no one was on the phone. Oh, oh, oh no. And uh, another security guard noticed the lights were going on and off by themselves in the basement. He went down to check the area and found no one, and the activity stopped. Like, once he got down there, like, everything just stopped. Because he responded in a timely fashion. (laughs) Oh, good, you're here. (laughs) According to the Historical Society, the depot has another ghost said to haunt the building, known as the Tunnel Ghost. The ghost is of a man who was killed during construction of a tunnel between the train depot and the power plant next door. Since that time, there have been numerous reports of lights turning off and on, doors slamming, objects being displaced overnight, and paintings in the building appearing crooked after they were left straightened the night before. And uh, the cafe manager, Colleen, said she also noticed lights coming on at night on their own in a locked room at the bottom of the north stairwell. Additionally, she claims to have been locked out of the building on multiple occasions late at night with no explanation. A former museum curator who worked in the depot in the 90s had an office in the basement. She reported often hearing footsteps in the hallways that stopped just outside her door. It happened often enough that on Christmas and New Year's Eve, she would always yell out, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Oh, oh. (laughs) And um, a local... TV station, news channel, KSL, brought in a investigation team to come check this place out with them. And they are the ghost hopping team. Wait, the ghost what? Hopping. Hopping. I thought you said topping, and I was like, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't need to know about your bedroom habits with, with <laughs> no, no. ghosts. It's not. Uh, ghost hopping. Um, ghost hopping. It's a term I created by the um, lead guy of this group called Marcus, no last name. He's a comedian. It's basically like bar hopping, but for the paranormal. Do they go multiple places in one night? Not exactly. Um, Like, so how it was described was that, like, he would go different places for his stand-up comedian stuff, Mm -hmm. and then he'd just, like, check out what local thing. Oh, like do, like, a site? Yeah. Oh, like, whenever I travel. Basically, like... What's nearby that's haunted? Yeah, but, like, yeah, and they actually go, like, investigate and stuff like every oh every place they actually go investigate like real ghost investigators okay i see i see how it is yep Mm -hmm. do you you always like do evps and stuff every place no so (laughs) (laughs) so that's what i mean like they actually like had all their like he like brings equipment and does does a real like multiple hour investigation okay so like like he'll not be like in, me who I might like what I walked up St. Augustine with my EMF meter, like in my pocket. Like, <laughs> anything yet? Anything? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, no one's watching me, right? No one's let me just check my my K2 meter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you might be like in a city for a couple nights and like one night he's doing his comedian stuff and then another night he's doing this stuff. That's fun. See, I would like to do something like that though, but it's yeah. hard to do it like on your own. Yeah. You know, you need, 
Yeah, he had like four people, I think. Yeah. Or something. So some of the stuff that they got was um, they had a paranormal puck two. Do you know what that is? I feel like I've heard of it, but describe it for our listeners. It's like it takes changes in the atmosphere and it converts it to text. Yes, I have heard of that. Okay. So it's basically like you text with the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so in the woman's restroom, they asked how many spirits are here. And without hesitation, it gave back the number seven. And then that was basically all they got upstairs. So then they went to the basement. And as soon as the investigator stepped out of the elevator, the puck two began to chirp out results. Devil, screw, and living. Like, on their own lines on the device, like, in rapid succession. The devil screws the living. Apparently. <laughs> is that what that is? Um, the device also spat out several words that the reporter from KSL interpreted as drug slang or drug references, including dime, speed, and compound. Yep. And... Um, at this point, they were underneath what used to be Salt Lake City's open-air drug market. I was just going to say, were they under, like, a, a drug den? Yeah. And the only thing is, the only place they reference that is on the actual video. Like, they had... I came across this written out a couple times, but the only place that they referenced that they, uh, where they were, that they were underneath the drug open-air drug market was on the actual video for the news channel because uh, like I was reading the text first and I was like how do you get drugs out of just those random words because I mean train station speed train like that's what I go <laughs> well that it started out with dime I mean dime bag I know but like and then compound I mean meth I don't know I just I didn't I didn't get why they went straight to drugs. Yeah. Until that. Un until, until I the, heard the yeah. video and I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. Like, why didn't you write that out? Like, and then a little bit later, the puck read out traffic, seas, and dollars. And, um, I still hear like, yeah, they thought that was part of like drug reference stuff yeah. too. So, I mean, that's, they were still in approximately the same area. So, and a little bit later, the investigators heard noises coming from a utility closet. And as Marcus opened the door, two light anomalies were caught on camera, appearing to materialize and disappear as they left the closet. To me, it looked like bugs. I mean, they were flying too fast. It mm -hmm. looked like bugs. And later, Marcus asked if a spirit was still there, and a man's voice replied out of a spirit box he was using, yes. And then he asked... Are your remains here? And, and I can't tell if it was another man's voice or if it was the same man's voice, but an, a man's voice says, yeah. So apparently someone's remains are there somewhere. Mm. The puck two also generated the word cesium during the session. Huh. Which is huh. a unique word, but according to... Utah Department of Heritage and Arts spokesman, John Lofton. There are a bunch of old televisions in the basement, and they contain cesium. Huh. And also, 
um, a paleontology lab used to be located in the basement where they use cesium as one of their research tools for some, I don't know exactly what you use cesium for, but. (laughs) So like, I know what cesium is, but for some reason, whenever I hear it, it sounds like it reminds me of cheese. Like (laughs) to me, it sounds like it should be a type of cheese. Like I've got some great aged cesium here. What should we do with it? What wine do we pair this with? (laughs) Don't eat it. (laughs) No, 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 no. Do not eat cesium. Cesium is very, very bad for you. Yep. So that was all for the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad Depot in Salt Lake City, Utah. Fun. Is it um, accessible by the public currently? Yes, because it's an art gallery and the cafe. Yeah. Okay. So So you can stop Yeah, you can stop by and... It's a huge place. (laughs) (laughs) It is really huge. Like, I couldn't figure out what part of it was a cafe at first because, I mean, it's the the middle of it's a big, like, two-story structure, and then it has, like, two wings on each side. Mm -hmm. And so one of the wings is the cafe, and then the art gallery is, like, the middle part because they have, like, little half walls that have all the art, like mm-hmm. a little maze. Like you yeah, look at a like picture from stalls. the gallery, yeah. it looks like a little like maze <laughs> on the floor. But yeah, and then I don't know where the other places are. Some of it's in the basement, I guess. And yeah, so what's in the other wing? I would think the Historical Society. I think that's what's in the other wing because oh, there was yeah, like one of the doorways has like historical society research over. Well, yeah, I I think that's a fair assumption. <laughs> well, I don't I can't tell where it was located if it was the wing or if it was like in the back or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's one of the places. Wow, so it's huge. Yeah, it, it's a huge place. Cool, cool. Well, thank you for sharing. So, if you haven't already. Follow all of our social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, My Fave Haunting. You can find us on Facebook at My Favorite Haunting. Um, and we also have My Favorite Haunted Group, the home of the Paranormies. Yes, come be a Paranormie. Um, we've got a few new people in there and they've been people have been posting and it's a fun time. Uh, if you have a story of your own and you want to share your experiences, you can email it to us at myfavorithaunting at gmail.com or send a DM through any of our platforms and check out japan without japanese on youtube and twitter and instagram it'll be a fun time yeah they have a lot of fun info on there and they Mm -hmm. just like because they've been in japan so many times and they just like have photos of a lot of cool stuff like (laughs) japan looks awesome like they have so many things over there that it's like what why can't we have (laughs) that here that's cool so um yeah so that's it Cool. Thanks for partying with us. You know, you can say goodbye too. I don't know. It just <laughs> seems like you can give like a sign off. <laughs> yeah. Later. Later, Gator. <laughs>